Stuart Holman here with you again for our fifth and final daily devotional this week in our series on the covenant at Sinai, and particularly the Ten Commandments. We're up to commandment number four today, so you know that we'll be finishing off the rest in next week's devotionals. Um, at the risk of repetition, I, just a quick reminder for us that these Ten Commandments were not given as Israel's gateway to heaven. If they could just obey them all, then God would save them and take them to heaven. No, in Exodus 20, God has already saved Israel out of Egypt. These commandments are how they are to live in relationship with God as his chosen people, especially as they're just about to move into the promised land. So really important for us to keep this framework in mind. And just as the Ten Commandments were not the criteria for salvation for the people of Israel, they are not the standard to be met by the Christian for their salvation either. Instead, Jesus Christ came to fulfill completely all the law on our behalf before dying on the cross for our salvation. So why even bother with the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law today? Because they show us our need for a saviour. Not only is our sin explicitly exposed, but our sinful natures are excited by the possibility of disobeying the commandments. Uh, Paul says this in Romans 7, I wouldn't have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. So the law still has a purpose. Secondly though, the Ten Commandments matter because God has not changed. His character is still revealed by them. They show us what is important to God. And so they guide us in honouring him appropriately. By them, Christians can still learn something of how to live in relationship with our holy God now that we are saved by Christ alone. So with this in mind, let's look now at the fourth commandment. We're in Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. You shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sabbath at its most basic means to rest, to cease from work. For one day in seven, God's people are called to stop work and rest. Why? seems to me that there are at least three good reasons to do this, not just for the ancient nation of Israel, but I think for Christians as well. First reason why we should stop work on a Sabbath is given to us directly in verse 11 here. Uh, you notice the first word in the verse, for, signals that this is the explanation which follows. We rest, why? Because God rested from his work of creation on the seventh day. In the context of Genesis chapters 1 and 2, which are being quoted here, we are made in God's image. And so almost simplistically, we rest because God did. But moreover, there is actually something very godlike 
in resting. Since we are God's stewards over all creation, we rest from work in his image, as he did, just as we work in his image, cultivating and tending his creation. As his image bearers, we copy God's pattern of work and rest. Second reason we should stop work on a Sabbath is because it's a gift from God. It's actually good for us, which was Jesus' point when he was arguing with the Pharisees about all of their Sabbath regulations. In Mark 2, he summed up by saying, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath rest is for our good. It was made for our enjoyment. It's not meant to be a burden. In resting from our work, we are restored refreshed and able to delight ourselves in the work done. In resting from our work, we have an opportunity to enter into God's rest, to actually enjoy our relationship with him and our relationships with our families and our community, free from the obligations of work. So let's not get uptight and grumpy about Sabbath rest. It's, it's interesting to me here that, that even in this very basic form of, of the command, the Lord foresaw the need to close a few loopholes. The particularly driven Israelite might say, oh, okay, as a devout believer in God, I won't work on the Sabbath, but I'll make sure that my servants and employees and my working animals and my factories keep on working, keep on being productive for me. But the command here is given in a detailed manner to protect the ones without power, the employees, servants, family members, and even animals. Which takes us to the third reason that Sabbath rest is something that Christians should practice. Sabbath is good for us, but it is also good for everyone else, especially those who do all the hard work. The sons and daughters, the male and female servants, the working animals, and the foreigners living among us, or whatever our modern day equivalents might be. Elsewhere in Moses' laws, the principles of the Sabbath are extended to land use, environmental care in the context of farming, to the world of finance, lending and borrowing, and the year of Jubilee. The Sabbath allows everyone and everything renewal, restoration, a kind of a reset. Sabbath taking is also an exercise in faith, in, in a subsistence economy, taking a day off. Well, that was a risk that your family could go hungry. No work gets done, no profit, no food. Uh, you might remember the Israelites wandering through the desert living on manna had to learn that lesson of trusting God, that what they collected on the day before the Sabbath would be sufficient for that day and for the Sabbath which followed. So there's trust involved in God's provision. Um, the business owner today who closes their doors on the Sabbath must trust God for his provision just as much now as then. Uh, near where I work, there's three or four cafes that compete for business. And for a while, one of them closed their doors on a Sunday in order to Sabbath, to rest with family and with God. On the other days of the week then, I always tried to frequent that cafe in preference to the others who were staying open on Sundays as a way of honouring that business owner's decision to rest. And which is, I've, I found out later, it actually came from their position of faith. It was a great encouragement. So in a culture where we are so quick to find loopholes or just to plain ignore the command to Sabbath, I want to encourage us to revisit our Sabbath priorities. We Sabbath in God's image. We Sabbath 
to enjoy the good gifts of God and we Sabbath for the good of all creation. I think that as Christians, these are compelling reasons to build Sabbath, a Sabbath day into our week, every week. I don't think it has to be a particular day, a Saturday or a Sunday. It doesn't really matter. Uh, as a church worker, my Sabbath is a Friday. I've chosen that day well, simply because it works well for me. What does matter, I think, is that we do Sabbath. Sabbath is not meant to be a guilt-driven burden, just as Jesus rebuked the Pharisees of his own day. Instead, it's how we live well in relationship with God. We don't judge others for their Sabbath practices, but we do prioritise it for ourselves and for those we have responsibility for, whether they be children or employees or farming animals or perhaps people from other nations who may be in our midst. Let's rejoice in God's goodness on our Sabbath. Let's delight in his refreshment, both in our homes and in community with each other. Sabbath is a good gift from God as well as commandment number six. Let me pose a few questions for your consideration and reflection today as you pray about Sabbath. 